From Charter Hall and Banish, this is Sustainability Further. I'm your host, Lottie DL. You're listening to Sustainability Further, a podcast by Charter Hall. One of Australia's leading property groups, Charter Hall is focused on creating innovative spaces and going further to build a better future for all. In his role as Assistant Minister for Waste Reduction and Environmental Management, Trevor Evans has the power to create real impact and change when it comes to waste in Australia. This is the first episode in a two-part series with Trevor, and we're discussing whether recycling onshore is a pipe dream or a reality for Australians. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Trevor. Let's kick off today's episode with my favourite question. What does sustainability mean to you? Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I guess from my perspective as a policymaker on waste reduction and environmental management, sustainability has two sides. There's environmental sustainability and then there's economic sustainability. And I've been really happy to discover in this role that it really is possible to achieve both in this very important area of policy. Lots of the time, environmental Uh, debates can be seen as a bit of a binary or a zero-sum game where environmental progress needs to be measured by economic loss. And I'm really pleased to say that everything I've learned and everything that I've worked on so far in this role has taught me that it's possible to uh, bring about more sustainable environmental outcomes which simultaneously grow our economy in a more sustainable way. And that's been one of the uh, very best learnings for me uh, so far. No, I think it's great. And we're going to hear all about the impact that you've had in your role to date and then what you're working on in the future. But I think it's really interesting for us to look at recycling as a bit of a commodity and as a waste in general, because when you throw something in the rubbish bin at home, you don't really think about the value of a tin can versus something in plastic, for example. Changing that mindset from it it being about rubbish and the disposal of a liability to thinking about this as resources uh, with value um, in a more circular chain in our economy is what this is fundamentally all about. If we can change that mindset, we will go a long way to bringing about the more circular economy that we all want to see. And you're absolutely right. This can get very complicated when you think about the variety of products that there are on the shelves, all of their packaging, all of the inputs that are bought in every supply chain and in every uh, business, there are a lot of potential challenges here to identify. And the very best way I think that governments can play a role is not to pretend that we'll be able to be the expert on every product on every shelf, but rather to bring about an ecosystem, if you like, of policies and laws and incentives that help people to recognise the value in the resources in those products and their packaging and to act accordingly, to be incentivized to do the right thing, to innovate, to find the solutions. If we can drive that sort of outcome, government doesn't need to find a solution for every product and its packaging. We'll be able to rely on the great um, ingenuity of, uh, of people. No, I'm looking forward to it. I cannot wait for this future that you're describing. It sounds like absolute bliss and utopia and I'm really excited to get there. (laughs) So in your role as Assistant Minister for Waste Reduction and Environmental Management, you have the opportunity to create so much change. Where did your passion for the planet start? 
Um, I think that my first real awareness of the planet, um, wildlife, was in my travels as a kid. My family uh, often would go on big road trips around Australia, so I did a lot of travels where we were um, staying in national parks, in tents, uh, lots of camping, lots of hiking, lots of boating and fishing and so on. And uh, I guess it gave me a true appreciation of what's out there in our, in our own backyard in Australia. And it gave me, I guess, a, a lifelong passion for uh, travel with a particular focus on the outdoors and the environment and our wildlife. And that's where it all started. There were many years there as a kid where all I wanted for Christmas and birthday presents was lists of all the different species that exist and the maps of where they live and the information about them. That's all I wanted. I wanted to be a zookeeper. When I was a kid, such was my passion for animals. And um, I guess in a roundabout way, I ended up in a zoo here in Parliament. Um, and uh, I know I've got many more dad jokes if you, uh, if you stick around. Um, but that's where my passion began. And um, I went away and I had a career in some very different areas. Um, but luckily, there are areas that have given me a lot of great groundings in terms of policymaking and good decision making uh, that have set me up to make a difference when it comes to recycling and waste reduction. And uh, I'm very thankful for that background because it's really let me hit the ground running. And uh, I think, you know, our policies now, our um, momentum speak for themselves now in terms of where this change and these reforms are headed. No, no, definitely. So speaking about change and all of these policies, in late 2019, the decision was made by the Council of Australian Governments to ban the export of waste, including paper, plastic, glass and tyres. This is a really daunting but very exciting move for Australia, which you're heavily involved in bringing this recycling back onshore. So what does this look like and what are the major challenges that we're up against? Mm. Well, there's many, many challenges. And if I, I, I guess, pick up on something I said earlier around trying to create that ecosystem of policies and laws here in Australia that encourage great circular economy outcomes and encourage the people who are um, already the experts for the products that they're making and selling to step up and take more responsibility for them. There's lots of things that simultaneously have to move to bring about uh, that reality. Uh, one of them is that all of us as um, people, as households, as businesses, as governments need to do more. Um, we need to think more about buying more recycled content to generate the demand side for the recycling business model. But equally, when we looked around Australia, we realised that while there were some very good recycling facilities, some good infrastructure here on shore, a lot of our potentially recyclable waste streams were headed offshore. And one of the reasons for that is that the old way of recycling is very manual labour intensive. So it involves people on conveyor belts, picking things off conveyor belts and sorting things manually, which is why a lot of it went overseas in the first place, because in Australia here, we're very proud to have high wages compared to lots of other countries around the world. Luckily, the very latest technology um, means that there's some great new mechanical solutions for sorting recycling, which we are now bringing here to Australia. And in doing so, we're building, I guess, the supply side of uh, the recycling economy. Um, by virtue of us putting some big funding mechanisms on the table as governments, we've um, 
attracted the interest of lots of businesses and lots of recyclers who already knew maybe that the future might be going this way, but we've given them the confidence to invest now, to invest sooner than they might otherwise have, and to bring a lot of these new technologies here on shore. These technologies mean that we're using mechanical processes, science and technology to do the separation without sometimes even anybody standing over a conveyor belt and manually sorting. It's actually very, very exciting and kind of hypnotic to be there in the middle of this machinery to see the equipment doing its job. What that really does in practice is that it takes your bin full of commingled recycling that you'd take out onto the curbside. When that bin is all mixed up, it's a liability because it is all mixed up. It's contaminated, if you like. It's um, not sorted or segregated. If you can mechanically sort it, put it this way, if that same bin that you took to the curbside was full of nothing but perfectly sorted, uncontaminated aluminium cans, it would be worth close to $1,000 on the open market as a commodity. If it was full of clear plastic polymer like the PET in bottles or in strawberry punnets, for instance, it would be worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars if it was sorted and decontaminated. And so you can see how these investments that we're making help to bring about the conversion of what used to be considered a liability, waste, rubbish, into a resource with value that can be traded on open markets. Now, that takes a little bit of money, which governments have had to put on the table to co-invest with businesses. We have also, as you mentioned, had to turn the taps off on some really bad old practices. When we allowed uh, these potentially recyclable materials to go offshore, sometimes that was with the very best of intentions, that they might be ultimately recycled and recovered in countries overseas. But lots of those countries that Australia was sending this to didn't necessarily have all the safeguards or all of the um, institutions that you would expect to make sure that there were no unintended consequences. And all too often, we were hearing reports back that some of our potentially recyclable materials weren't being uh, recovered and sorted. They were instead being swept into the local creek or river and ultimately, of course, ending up back in the oceans that we all share. So we've had to put a stop to those practices at the same time as we start to build our local um, infrastructure and, and facilities. And uh, as I say, we're also doing a lot of work to build the demand side of the economy as well so that we can get um, the entire system working here in Australia so that all of us can recycle with more confidence. No, it's very, it's very exciting times. And I think it's funny because I always talk to people about recycling and I just say at the end of the day, we need to remember there's not any little garbage fairies sitting at the end picking out the wrong items. And I think you're right. If we're getting machines to do it, it's even better, but it means that there's going to be fewer and fewer fairies going around along the chain and picking out our wrong things. So we need to be even more careful with what we are and aren't recycling. It definitely. And, um, you know, we've got to also understand what we can reasonably expect of our fellow Australians as well. Um, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when I got involved and the federal government started this journey and, and really stepped more heavily into recycling policy, we had to recognise that we can't expect every Australian to know what to do with every single piece of packaging that they're looking at just before they decide whether it can go in the recycling bin or not. Some things are very obvious to most Australians, but there's lots of other pieces of packaging and products out there which can be quite complicated or new or technical. There's a new array of compostable products out there. There's um, different sorts of um, plastic packaging which can get quite technical in terms of its recyclability. 
So one of the other pieces of the puzzle has been for us to really ramp up the rollout of something called the Australasian Recycling Label. It's on about a quarter of the products now uh, on the supermarket shelves in Australia. For those who are very keen of eye, they might have started to notice it on more and more products. We're hoping it will be on about 80% of products uh, by the end of 2023. And the aim of that set of labels is to really simply let every Australian know when they're about to put something in the bin, can it go into the recycling bin or not? And as that label rolls out, we won't need to rely on some secret fairies behind the um, system doing the right thing. We also won't need to rely on every Australian having an encyclopedic knowledge of each piece of packaging. They'll be able to simply look for the label and make a snap decision. Yeah, no, I agree. I love the Australasian recycling label because I think when it came to the plastic resin codes on the bottom of a lot of pieces of plastic, people saw them. There were those little plastic triangles that have got a number in them or the Mm. the recycled triangles with a number in them. Everybody just saw the triangle and went, great, well, that means I can recycle it. And when you actually look at it and you go, no, actually that's a different type of plastic that cannot go into your rubbish bin. It's just, and maybe if you live in this council area, it can be recycled, then it's not. It's just an absolute nightmare. So I'm really excited to see that labeling system being rolled out more. So when you were just talking before, you were talking a lot about kind of the mechanical way of processing waste and talking not only about the supply but also the demand for this um, processes in Australia. As consumers, is there a way to help this system? Is there Are there materials that they should be buying more of instead of, I don't know, plastic or is glass better or, I don't know, aluminium? Is there a way that they can help other than just putting the right thing in the right bin? Well, certainly getting the right thing into the right bin is a very, very good start. And with the new tools that we're bringing out, hopefully that becomes even easier over time for Australians to do. There's an education and awareness piece here. That's true. But there's also a motivation piece because Aussies have been told for many years that our recycling system is broken and that it is either going overseas or it might be going into landfill right alongside their general rubbish bins. And so there's a motivation piece there that we also uh, are hopefully dealing with uh, when it comes to our reforms. I think one of the secret powers that we all have as consumers in households and in businesses is also around signalling the demand for recycled content. In other words, when we go out and we look at products on the shelves, um, if we can look for products that are made of or have packaging made from recycled content, that's probably one of the most powerful things that we can do. Whenever I talk to the uh, businesses that are in the game of bringing new and better recycling here to Australia, I say, what's your constraint or what's your biggest concern? And many times they tell me, well, Trevor, we're ready to press go and to help invest and build this new facility that's going to help us recycle, say, tyres, for instance. And they say, but what we're really worried about is when we set this up and we're there and we're processing tyres and turning it back into crumb rubber, Where is the demand going to come from, the customers that are going to buy the product that my factory is going to be making from that recovered material? And so it's really important that all of us as individuals um, do our best to start to stimulate that demand. And it's also, I think, reasonable for us to start asking our governments at every level, federal, state and council, what what our governments are doing to help generate that demand as well. For instance, uh, we would all probably have driven over or past roads recently that are being made or resurfaced or resealed. 
It's now possible to use recovered or recycled glass as a sand substitute in the road base. It's possible to use crumb rubber um, as, um, you know, as, as part of the bitumen or asphalt that's on the road surface. Um, these are the sorts of things that governments can be very, doing very easily that help us to get more recycling infrastructure here on shore. Now, it is really exciting that one of those roads is literally around the corner from my house. And every time I drive down, there's this huge sign saying this is one of the first roads in Australia to be made from glass. And it's just so exciting. And I love all of the innovation that's happening. And it would be amazing that that is the norm going forward. I think potentially it can become the norm. There are a lot of hurdles to it becoming the norm. Uh, one of the things that we're doing as the federal government is trying to create some new um, standards and best practice guidelines so that every council or every developer of a road can pick up these standards and say, well, I've always had to build my roads at this old spec using virgin quarried material or whatever it was. Now I've got this document here that gives me assurance that I don't need to go away and ask special permissions or for a special exemption. I can just do this now as of right. There's lots of examples of great pieces of infrastructure around the country. We just need to make sure that that's the norm or the default position rather than the exception. And uh, all of those roads and infrastructure will use a lot of resources and a lot of materials, that's for sure. This conversation is part of Charter Hall and Banish's podcast series, Sustainability Further. This series has been designed to inspire Australians to be more environmentally responsible and to take climate action. Sustainability Further is produced by Banish. Charter Hall's purpose is to create better futures by bringing aspirations to life.